bit like Clark Kent, I put my microphone away and I put this microphone on and I'm a different person now. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> as we uh, prepare to go to the Lord's word, let's go to the Lord again in prayer. <clears throat> and before I pray, pray, I might wonder if you have your own prayer that you want to offer the Lord. So I just want to give you a little bit of space. Just a little bit of space for you just to pray a simple prayer before the Lord. Maybe a prayer of thanks. Maybe a prayer of need. Maybe just, hey, God, open my heart and tune my heart. You just bow before the Lord. I'm going to give you a moment to pray, and then I'm going to pray. Lord, we come confessing and professing that we find rest in you. Uh, Lord, I do have a concern that though we know that there is rest in you, sometimes we don't choose to find our rest in you. I do confess, Lord, sometimes rather than resting in you, I, I seek to be distracted scrolling through social media or doing some task that, uh, that, that uh, occupies my time and my energy. Sometimes be, besides finding rest in you, Lord, we find ourselves mumbling, grumbling, and complaining to our friends and anyone who will listen. Sometimes uh, besides finding rest in you, we go and we seek uh, just to satisfy some trying to fill a hole, we satisfy some pleasure, trying to fill a hole in our heart. Uh, Lord, so Lord, while we do know that there is rest in you, we also know that we don't always run to you as our rest. And might we today be reminded that you are a rest, and that we can come run to you. Uh, Lord, I pray as we come to your word today, as we come to the, the message, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would, Help us to have uh, open and receptive hearts to receive your word. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that uh, uh, your word would equip us, Lord, because uh, we are not just coming in here so that we can rehearse, you know, the story, although it's necessary for us to rehearse the story. Lord, we're also coming in here so we can be equipped so that we can go out and we can live as uh, living witnesses, living examples, living testimonies uh, that uh, Jesus Christ is King and Lord. He is ruling and he is reigning, and one day he is returning to fully establish his rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. And so, God, I pray and I ask that you would equip us. Uh, we live in a world that needs uh, us to be salt and light. Uh, make us salty today. Uh, 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 light our fire today, God. Uh, Lord, I pray and I ask that uh, not only would you speak, I pray that as I am the mouthpiece, uh, that uh, I would uh, say everything that needs to be said and nothing more. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct uh, uh, 
so that your message, your word gets to be spoken. And then, Lord, I pray this. Uh, we are coming to your written word. We are considering your living word and his, uh, who he is and uh, what he enables and empowers us to do. But, Lord, we need, uh, we need the breath of your word, your breathed word to come, Lord, as well. So, God, we pray and we ask that you would just please uh, bring your word to us. Uh, through the text, through the example of Christ, and through your spirit, God. Uh, we pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I, uh, I have found this statement uh, in a text uh, that we're going to look at today, but the statement is this, is when we have faith in Jesus, uh, we can do some amazing things for others. When we have faith in Jesus, we can do things for others, amazing things for others. When we have faith in Jesus, we can help others. When we have faith in Jesus, uh, we can help transform people's lives. Uh, When we have faith. Uh, And I'll say this, when we act on our faith in Jesus, we can do these things. I want to come to this uh, the understanding of this uh, statement, I don't think it's like some, some novel statement probably for most of us, but, uh, but I do want to come to the understanding of the statement from a text, from a story in Acts chapter number three, um, because I think if, as we look at the story and we consider, we consider what happens, why it happens, and then uh, who had the reason why it happens. I think that uh, we will find ourselves maybe a little bit taken back by that. It's not a surprise to you and me that when we have faith, we can do amazing things for others. Uh, What I will say is I think it's a surprise to you and me that sometimes it only takes your faith and you acting on your faith to transform somebody else, regardless of whether or not they have faith or they display faith. And so, uh, with that, uh, we'll get to the text. I will say this. One of the things that we want to know about this as well is um, the reason why we can do amazing things and we should do amazing things and we're able to do amazing things for others through our faith in Jesus is because our faith in Jesus is precisely that he, uh, he does amazing things for us. He helps us. He shows love towards us. So we are only trusting in uh, that which Jesus does. We are only hoping in the faithfulness, if you will, the loveliness uh, of Jesus. With that, we'll pick up in Acts chapter number three, verse number one. It says, now Peter and John went up to the temple, uh, went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. The reason why they brought this man there was to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. We need to pause right there, have some understanding of this this, this scenario here. Uh, This man who was brought to the temple uh, has been, he's not been able to walk. He's been crippled from the time that he was in his mother's womb. So he's never had an opportunity to have, uh, to, to, to have uh, 
the uh, dignity and respect that would afford, afford him in normal society, but it's beyond that even. We should also understand this, that this man was brought to the temple gate, and there, are pre there is precedent in the Old Testament that those who are lame cannot enter into the temple courtyard. So not only has this man uh, uh, had, had societal issues that he, he, he's had to face, he can't get a job. Uh, as John Millen said one time, he said, back then they didn't have any good IT jobs uh, for people who were crippled, right? So uh, he, was, he was relegated to begging people for money. This isn't somebody who's lazy. This isn't somebody who just, who, who just won't get off their keister and do something, right? This is somebody who has been dealt a horrible hand in life. Lame. Society, uh, society uh, he's outcasted. He's not able to be a, a, um, a productive, valued member of society. But even whenever it comes to worship, he has to sit outside the temple gate. As people are able to pass by. So let's think about this man's plight for a moment. Let's let it rest on us. Sometimes we can just read these stories and we're so familiar with these stories. We don't think about these things too deeply. And the reason why he's there and why somebody brings him here and sets him here every day is because he's doing the only thing he can do for sustenance. And that is ask for people to be a little generous with what they have. And so this man. The scene is set with this man at the beautiful gate. Uh, when he saw, verse number three. This man who saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for them an alms. Uh, my, first, my first interaction with alms giving in this, uh, in this fashion, I can remember from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I just remember alms for the poor. So every time I read this, I always think, alms for the poor. Like, this is how he would have said it with a little bit of a British accent, you know. And, uh, and so I just know that it's always there. I don't know why it always is so pervasive, even now. But he's asking them for money. So this is, here, we need to think about this. This is not a grifter. This is not a con man. This is not, you know, somebody who's just, who's just, again, just being lazy, not working. This is somebody who needs money for sustenance. And he's asking for money for sustenance. I was talking to somebody recently, and they're like, man, I wish I wasn't so anxious about money. And I said, you know, I really understand where you're coming from, but you also, I think we we give anxiety about finances a little bit of a hard time. Especially as Christians, it's easy. Well, why are you worried about that? Well, here's why we're worried about it. Because finances are the way that uh, we uh, buy our food. How we get our housing and our security. Finances are the way uh, that we are able to survive. I would say this. We, we give money a hard time. It's easy to talk down about money. And people 
needing money or, or worried about money. We talk bad about, like, we, 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 we can almost be like, just take it for granted that somebody has some real concerns about where their next check is coming from or where their next meal is coming from. But so we need to kind of take ourselves back a little bit and we need to set ourselves in a time and age where maybe, maybe we were not having to go to a job and uh, put hours in so that we could collect a paycheck. But back to a time whenever we woke up in the morning and we had to go check on our crops to see if our crops were producing. And then we might be, find ourselves like, hey, this anxiety, this worry, this concern about money, it, 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 it's, it's natural. Because I bet if I was going out every day looking for my crops and seeing how they were doing, I'd be worried about things like rain. I'd be worried about things like pests and varmints. I'd be worried about things like a lack of rain. Um, I would be worried about things like sun. I'd be worried if my crop was going to produce because that would mean that me and my family got to eat or not. And I say all that because sometimes we can look at these stories and what Peter says next, we can go like, yeah, that's right. You don't need to give him money. This is not the point of the story. The point of the story is not, well, this guy didn't really need money. What he needed was something else. No, no, no. no. We need to read the story as it's presented to us and understand the gravity of this guy's situation. He comes and he asks Peter and John for some money, and then Peter responds to him. Uh, Peter, and I love this, he fastens his eyes upon him with John. And Peter says, look at us. Look at us. Now, that, what's he trying to say here? Look at me in the eyes whenever I'm talking to you. Maybe he's saying, look at us, man. You're asking me for money? Look at us, man. I'm not lying to you. Y'all ever done that with somebody? Somebody's like, hey, can you give me some money? And you, you've done this one? Like, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lying. I don't have any, I don't have any uh, money on me. Maybe, he, 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 but Peter takes an interest in this guy and he says, hey, look at us. He wants him to take an interest in him. And then Peter says, hey, look, here's the deal. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I will give unto thee. I don't have money to give to you. This is an important point, and I think we need to hold on to it. Peter wasn't just like, hey, I don't have money to give to you, dude. Like, I have money, but not for you, right? So that's not the emphasis of this. Peter is not really saying, well, I have money, but it won't do you much good. Peter is saying, I don't have any money to give to you. Hey, look, I want to help you out right here, but I don't have the resources to hand over to you. And, and, and a lot of those other connotations get read into this story. And we don't need to read anything into the story. We just need to get what the story has, take out from the story what it has for us. And what Peter says is, hey, look at us. Maybe look at me. Like, I'm, I, I, I can tell you, I'm not lying to you. I don't have any money to give to you. But what I do have, I will give to you. And then we know what Peter does, right? He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Stand up and walk. And then Peter grabs the man by the hand and he lifts him up. And this man who has never walked, never walked, immediately receives strength in his 
ankle bones and his calves get strong and his thighs get strong and his knees are not like uh maybe they're not like bambi whenever bambi starts to walk in first but his it's an immediate healing an immediate miracle he picks the man up and the man stands upright and then he begins to leap for joy and he begins to celebrate and praise god this this whole this whole picture, this whole image, we should, we should think about in our minds, like texts like Isaiah, Isaiah 35 talks about how uh, th there's actually like a very rare word that is used for leap in Acts 2 or Acts chapter number 3. It's also used in Isaiah 35 where it talks about, hey, in that day, in that age, whenever the, the, you know, whenever the new day has begun, people, the lame man will leap for joy. It's the same word used there. And so we have this prophetic kind of connection going, hey, this is exactly what God said would happen when his Messiah came. These types of things would start happening. And so we see Peter says, hey, rise up and walk. The man rises up and walk. He begins like dancing. He begins just celebrating. He begins making a scene. And I'm just going to tell you, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to the temple courtyard or, or outside of the temple courtyards. I've been to the Western Wall, right? But I've been to Jerusalem. And I'm just going to tell you, there's a scene being made all over Jerusalem. You know, we come into church and everybody sits in their spot and everybody stands whenever they need to stand. And they sit when they need to sit. Like the rowdiest time that we have at our church is whenever it's fellowship time. Right? And then it's like, all right, can we write y'all back in? We don't know. But I'm just going to tell you, in Eastern Orthodox churches and in Eastern mindset, an Eastern Orthodox service is not everybody coming in and sitting down. There's icons all over the place, and people are walking from icon to icon. They're praying different prayers, and, and, and the, the priest is up there like reading the lectionary. And this is kind of like whenever you go to Jerusalem, there's a lot going on. There's, there's a rabbi with his few disciples, and they're walking over here, and he's teaching them something over here. And, and there's a group over here, and they're, oh, my goodness. And then there's the people who are hucking and jucking, and, and it's really, it's like, it's a sensory overload a little bit. So I say all that to say, I don't think that is a modern thing that they just started doing. I think this goes all the way back throughout their tradition. So for this guy to come in and to create a scene in this environment is something. But he does. He creates a scene. Here's why he creates the scene. The text tells us that he began to uh, leap and he began to jump. And uh, he, was, he was running around praising God. It says, all the people uh, saw him walking. And this is verse number nine. All the people saw him walking and praising God. That was something. Okay, here's this guy kind of just losing his dignity out here. But that's okay. None of us are super dignified out here. But here's what really grabbed their attention. They, they begin to recognize, oh my goodness, I know who that is. Hey, look, look, look who, who it is. We just, we, we pass this guy every day. Every day we pass this guy. Some days we are, you know, like making sure, hey, like, let's be in good conversation so we don't have to, alms for the poor. No, uh, I, I can't, sorry, we're in a deep conversation over here, right? We pass him every day, though. We know who he is. This is, not, this is not just some anonymous fellow. This is somebody who the people not only notice because he's leaping and praising, they notice because they know who he was. And this caused the people to be filled with wonder and amazement 
at that which had happened to him. Of course, Peter is going to take this opportunity. And Peter is going to take this opportunity to, to share the good news with them, the gospel with them. Peter's going to say, hey, look, hey, hey, you want to know what happened, how this happened? Well, first, Peter wants to clear up something. He said, I want you to know that I'm not somebody special and this guy's not somebody special. And with Peter and John and some of their interactions that we have in the Gospels, we should know he's like, I'm not special. And he's especially not special. Right? Uh, he's like, none of us, this, this didn't happen because we have any special power in ourselves. This happened in the name or the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. And in verse 16, he actually says this. In verse 16, he says, uh, and his name, Speaking of Christ, through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So whenever I look at this and I go, man, it was by faith in the name of Jesus that this was able to happen, I begin to... I, I begin to think about some things. Practically, when we read the story, whose faith is on display here? Whose faith is on display here? You know, when we read the story, we, we never have Peter ask the man before he heals him, hey, do you know Jesus? Do you, do you have faith in Jesus? But Peter never says, hey, listen, if you trust in the name of Jesus, something amazing can happen for you right here, right now. I, I, I begin to think whenever I read this, I was like, oh my goodness. You know who had faith? Peter and John had faith. This isn't a story about this guy who was lame, trusting, believing that something great could happen to him in his life. It, what I know about this guy is he was there looking for money. And he looked at Peter and John, and he didn't know any different, and he asked them for some money. And Peter said, hey, I have faith in something greater that I can offer you than money. I know you really need money. I don't have the money to give you. But guess what? I have faith that Jesus, by the power of Jesus' name, you can stand up and walk. I had this suspicion, so I didn't just want to run with it. I, I went and I consulted some, uh, some scholars, some theologians, and Ben Witherington says this. He says, in view of the fact that nothing was said earlier about the man exercising faith, while the issue of Peter's faith in and the reliance on Jesus and his power is implicitly raised in verses 12 through 13, probably we are meant to think of Peter and John's Faith and trust in the trustworthy name of Jesus. So whenever he says it's by faith, faith in his name, Peter is saying we exercised faith in the name of Jesus. And this allowed this man to be healed. C.K. Barrett says this. He says the faith in question is that of the apostles. The sick man was expecting money. Not exercising faith. So whose faith? The apostles' faith. 
they had faith and they were able, they had faith in Jesus and they were able to do something amazing for this man, something life transforming for this man. Now, uh, I don't believe that miracles are dead. I don't believe that, you know, sometime, you know, we got, we got the whole canon of scripture. And so now, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't move. It doesn't work. But I do know this. You and I don't just get to conjure up miracles. In fact, Paul says some people have the gift to be able to do it and some people don't. And he said, and if you have the gift to be able to do it, does it make you better than somebody else? Right? So I, I don't believe that they're dead. I don't believe that people can't do it. I, I, I actually believe that it happens quite often in our world. But I'm not here to tell you how you can perform miracles for people. Because none of us are promised that we have the gift to be able to do that. That every one of us will be able to do that. In fact, we should probably understand that most of us won't. In the early church, you only see a handful of people being able to do this. Hearing testimony of it. So then whenever people want to preach this, this thing, well, if you're not believing that you can raise somebody from the dead or heal them, well, you're wrong. Like, no, no, no. I believe that God, through his spirit, gives us gifts, and he gives us various gifts. And some people don't have the gift of, of, of saying, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. But they do have the gift of being really, really, really good with Excel and organizing groups. It's called the gift of administration. And those people are just as valuable in the kingdom as the person who can say, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. So this isn't a, a message where I'm going to sit there and say, hey, look, through your faith, you can do amazing things. And if you only trust, if you only believe, you could start. No. But this is what I want us to see. This is the burden of the message, I would say this. They didn't need him to believe in order for them to do something good for him. In fact, we could say this, they could have healed him and he could have walked away and he could have said, so what? Jesus actually healed a number of lepers. I think there was 10 or 11 lepers came to him, they were healed. He said, hey, listen, you are clean, you are whole, go present yourself to the priest. And they got so excited and they started running off and they didn't even think to come back and thank Jesus. One of them did and Jesus said, where are the others? Where are the others? Why did the only one come back and actually say thank you to me? This guy could have, could have done a bunch of different things. We're not even guaranteed. And we have pretty good thought process that after they did this work for him, that he came and not only did he celebrate God, but he placed his faith in Jesus. I would have the story kind of lends to he was among the 5,000 that day that were added to, 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 the, to the church membership role. I, I have good hope for that. But they acted on their faith. And in their faith, they were able to do something amazing for him. But here's the thing. It's not just their faith. This is what's so cool about this. The way that verse 16 is stated, it is their faith in the faithfulness of Jesus. 
See, Peter goes through great lengths to, whenever he starts telling them. He says, listen, we didn't do anything. We didn't have anything to do with this in our own power, our own, our own authority. We are not wonder-working uh, you know, people. We are people who, who in, in the name of Jesus, are able to do some things. So it wasn't even, we just really believed that this guy could get up and walk. And that's not how the story is presented. The story is presented that Peter says, in the name. Think about it this way. By the authority of Jesus, stand up and walk. By the reigning rule of our liberating king, rise up and walk. They had faith in Jesus. And as the text is revealed, they had faith in the faith of Jesus. And this is what I want us to see from here. When we have faith in Jesus, we can do amazing things for others. Regardless of whether they display faith or not. But also, it's precisely because our faith in Jesus means that we trust, we believe about Jesus, that he's here to rescue us, to help us, to bless us. Jesus said these words himself. He said, I did not come to condemn this world, but I came so that the world could be saved. Later on in this same text, you can go to the last verse of chapter number uh, three. Uh, after Peter preaches and he, and he tells them, hey, not only is it in Jesus, but well, I'm just going to tell you this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Peter says in verse number 26, he says, unto you first, God, having raised up his son, Jesus, sent him to bless you. Sent him to bless you. Listen, our faith in Jesus is that Jesus wants to help rescue and transform people's lives and this guy peter could have given him some money and that would have been a good generous thoughtful thing for him to do but peter didn't have money to give him and peter didn't go man i don't have any money to give you sorry peter was like what can i do for you what can i do for you and because he's peter and because you know, God endowed him with some special gifts of the Spirit. Peter was able to say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Because I'm not just speaking in the authority of Jesus. I'm speaking in the love of Jesus. See, I, Peter knew that if Jesus were walking by and this man were crying out to him, Jesus wouldn't just go, hey, toss him a coin. Jesus also probably wouldn't say, hey, don't look at him. Let's all just keep walking. We have some other business to do. Jesus would take an interest in him. Peter knew this because Jesus did this throughout his ministry. So his faith was not just in, this, in the authority of Jesus. His faith was in the faithfulness and the love and the compassion and the empathy of Jesus. And here's something that I think that we need to tie into. And in the church, we want to talk about Jesus as the, the authority. But how does he exercise his authority? What does he do with his authority? You know, whenever I think about them doing good for this guy... 
not relying upon him to, if you trust in Jesus, you can get something. No, they just said, I trust in Jesus, so I'm going to do something good for you. And whenever I think about that, that's exactly what Jesus did himself too. See, Jesus never told us, hey, listen, if you trust me, I'll go to the cross and I'll suffer and die. In fact, the story is presented that nobody trusted in Jesus and in the cross whenever he went to die, even his closest disciples. In fact, the, the text tells us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I want to think about these things a little practically here. This week, you're going to go out into this world and you're going to be carrying the name of Jesus. And you're going to come up against people who are going to need something from you. We live in a world where people need stuff from us. Am I sneaking suspicion because I'm a human being with flesh and blood and I have these same feelings and thoughts that you do is that Somebody's going to need something of me, and I'm going to think, I'm going to do some, uh, like, just some thoughts in my heart and my mind. I might start thinking, well, do they deserve me to do something good for them? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've had this experience myself. And, and I might put that in a bunch of different categories. Have they ever done anything good for me? One of the things, do they show faith in Jesus? In our culture right now, I see a lot of people playing team sports in politics, team sports uh, mentality in just about everything that they do in business, team sports, us versus them. You help the guys on your team, you don't help the guys on the other team. I know in Christianity, we have done this for a long time. Well, we help the Baptists, but we don't help the Methodists. <laughs> and don't even get me started on the Catholics, right? So, our challenge is, are we going to let somebody else's uh, faith or lack thereof, uh, beliefs, value systems, uh, Political affiliation, sexual identity, stop us from doing something amazing for them. Well, my supposition is this, and my proposition is this. When we have faith in Jesus, there's no way. There's no way we would let anything separate them from any good from us. Because Jesus, while we were yet sinners, died for us. Jesus didn't let anything that you had done come between him and his demonstration of God's love for you and his revelation of God's love for you. So, whose faith was on display that day? Well, the, as the text tells us, there's two guys who we know who trusted in Jesus. And one of them stood up as the spokesman for the group and he says, I have faith in the power and the authority of Jesus that you can stand up and rise and walk. And he said, give me your hand. I'll even help you to your feet so you can see that it's actually true. 
This was transformative for this guy's life. And he did that. Peter did that because he didn't just believe some things about Jesus, that he was powerful and authoritative. He believed in the love and the faithfulness of Jesus for us. And so whenever I say when we have faith in Jesus, that's what I mean. What are we trusting about Jesus? My brothers, my sisters, we have an opportunity to go live in our faith in Jesus, in the faithfulness of Jesus, and do some amazing things for people. You know, you might just be the sounding board for a coworker this week who just needs somebody to hear their plight. Somebody to share their burden with. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have all the, you know, fixes. You could just be the ear. And let me just ask you, who likes to listen to people complain? I don't. But in the faith of Jesus, I bet I could lend my ear to somebody. That's just one example. There's a whole bunch. I'm not going to keep talking. I'm going to say amen at this point. Amen? Whose faith? Well, this week as we go out, let it be our faith. Uh, Lord, I love you. I thank you.